Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I'm joined by Vinay Sale. Vinay is a Salesforce certified technical architect and an enterprise architect who has worked in large-scale environments. We discuss his early career, why and how he transitioned into the Salesforce ecosystem, and how he first started designing Salesforce solutions, having not come from a hands-on Salesforce background. We look at what an architect really does, aside from just solution design, and what a business can expect or should expect from an architect and the outcomes they should be achieving for a business. We look at the CTA journey, why and how he approached it, and how long he realistically thought that would take. We discuss the way that he systemized the CTA process and some of the productivity and time management hacks that he recommends, and then discuss the TOGAF certification and whether or not this is something that he would recommend for other Salesforce architects and how this really aligns to the Salesforce architecture world. And then we discuss the blog that he's recently released and who can get value from this blog, which uh, I, I highly recommend you check out. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Vinay, thank you so much for joining us. I've heard a lot about you over the years that we've been recording the podcast and the, the group that you worked with, but it's great to have you as a guest now. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben. I'm following your all the podcast videos very closely with all different sort of people and their opinions, their expertise. And I'm the one of the guy who inspired from those all those videos. So thanks a lot and keep continuing that good work. Thank you very much. So yeah, you um, you were part of a group of Salesforce aspiring um, certified technical architects. And I think you're the fourth from that group to be on the podcast. And from what I've heard, it was uh, it was great to be in a group and to collaborate and share your your journey with others. So we'll get on to how you became a CTA and, and that journey. But I want to hear first about you before the Salesforce world. What first attracted you to working in IT or pursuing IT as education and then career? So when I started Tokemis, when I was in a 10, 12 years old, look, I see a lot of big computers. At that time, there was a big boom of having a computers at home and the big screen. But a lot of things pop up on the screen, but was always curious what is behind the scene that make things pop up on the screen. So I still remember the earlier games like a Dev, Prince 2, all those kind of games I used to play, but how those things are actually made behind the scene and I was having that kind of a curiosity. And since childhood, I was actually into the kind of a engineering things. I used to like that one very much. Uh, not necessarily the computer, but in every engineering aspect of that one. So always having a curious what happens. So when time to join the engineering in the university, the first choice was always the computer around that one. So that's where I started my computer engineering from Mumbai University in India. And uh, later on, okay, once I finished that one, I joined another advanced computing school that is very famous, the premier school for software that is called CDAC, which is kind of a military training for software guys. So what they do in a six months, they put you on learning C, C++, complete foundation of database concept, .NET, C Sharp, J2E, all kind of stuff. So in a, after six months, you know, almost your foundation is almost complete with the C and C++. Those are the important languages or 
still being used right now, but also the all other new stuff like a .NET and a J2A stuff. So basically, if you ask me when I'm working on Apex stuff or something other language, because your foundation is very strong behind the scene, you're just changing the syntax in a different language. So that's where it got started. And then later on, I joined the product-based companies. Later on, actually, to join the to working on the product development as such. So that's where it got started around that. So what was that when you when you went into product development? What were you developing? And uh, and were you like a straight-up engineer back then? Was that your you kind of broadly across multiple languages, or were you focusing on C and 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 the languages that you'd learned? So in a product-based company that was named called Cordis, okay, and later on it got absorbed by the open text, but that was the business process management platform. And at that point, it was very hot, uh, almost 10, 15 years back around that one. So it's having a two aspect. First is that how to provide the business capability by leveraging the configuration of that particular platform. So to have a Java, plus JavaScripts and all those kind of languages behind the scene. So initially to start with a fresher, the first thing that people get it actually to solve the bugs. Okay, that's where you start actually growing into the career and later on taking the responsibility of the any component which you are taking the ownership of that one to build that one. So I spent a couple of years into that particular product development. But the thing is that I was always liking the projects, okay, to do something which is connected to the business around that one. And that's where I actually changed my focus from product development to the project. And that's where I actually joined Capgemini in Mumbai to start working on the consultancy approach. Okay, to the same tool, but actually on the other side, not behind the scene developing the product, but also the selling to the customers and what are the needs of the customers. But a good part I learned in that whole business process management, affinity with the business, understanding the business, solving the business process bottlenecks around that one and that was quite interesting for me so not looking at only the technical aspect of the any product but also how to maximize the it investment by using this particular product and believe me even today i'm doing the same stuff with the salesforce salesforce is a technology enabler i take it as a business operating platform and how we can maximize the investment to the uh, business as, as an architect. So if you ask me what I started, okay, I'm just continuing doing that one with a different tool right now. So that's very cool. the, the interesting stuff. So b- before we get into how you found Salesforce, um, I know you you were at that point, like just before Salesforce, you were in integration. That was your kind of expertise and domain. Why did you choose that or did you fall into integration or, or how did that kind of move play out from going to Capgemini to becoming an integration specialist? So when I was working on a business process management, the one of the stuff is that your business process goes across different systems, right? And that's where the integration comes uh, very, very important. So one of the business process might be into the application A, in application B is holding the another part of the business process and with the business process orchestration layer, you are bringing them all together around that one. So during that whole business process management, I was also working with a lot of different softwares to integrate with the business process management platform around that one. And that's where my interest grew into the, the whole integration stuff around that one, especially different protocols, a different way of each application, some application quite rigid in terms of not even providing a web service or so database connectivity. Some applications are having API affinities, all different kinds of flavors that comes in over there. And that's actually attract me towards the whole integration area aspects, looking at the particular application. The good thing 
during that whole integration architecture stuff which i did i saw a lot of different applications in my life from hr system to the erp system finance system the supply chain management system the master data management customer products and good part is that it actually allow you to go scale up at enterprise level you are not something something which is not known that the system that you touch in your career on that so sure. that is a very interesting part i face while doing the integration yeah nice and then uh, how how did you then discover salesforce and um, having seen so many different applications did you immediately love the look and feel and functionality and the scope of what salesforce enabled so it is an interesting story so as an integration specialist okay one of the system that you need to integrate with the salesforce okay and that's where it got started actually and i was working with the salesforce architect within that team and i was not aware of that one that after one year i will be taking that role in the company okay so it was just like a salesforce is any other application i want to integrate and i also having a responsibility to the data migration of the 6 million users around that one because we are first time inducting the whole service cloud implementations uh, into the ecosystem so that was interesting and never thought of actually i will touch to salesforce but during that whole integration then i found out for migration what are the implications in a salesforce okay that you need to think about around migration the best practices around that one later on for integration what kind of api support salesforce provides how that whole session management works around that kind of stuff so i learned during that one and interestingly one of the topic that lot of scare scary topic actually within a salesforce because in this whole salesforce community we decided to use the salesforce as the identity provider and lot of different four or five application need to connected so even identity management got covered during that when i was responsible for delivering that part of stuff so without thinking i will be venturing into the salesforce i finished that project okay almost it took one year actually without knowing that i'm doing something in a salesforce and when my that particular salesforce architect left and there was a position open i applied for that position and almost even i got three or four rounds like in any other company they are hiring a people to get to and get that one position and first thing they asked me in the first month please complete your salesforce admin certification in the first month okay that is your trial period on that one so i finished that one interestingly and directly at the architect position within this particular company so that's very interesting stuff for me actually and also the organization where canon uh, europe by the way and that allow to have a such kind of a possibilities to be open up for people that they can go in architect position but uh, the big difference is that been that i was already having a 15 to 17 year of experience working at enterprise scales that is a little bit different which brings the flavor to the architect position and then i was working with all other different peers within the team to understand the solution designs in details around that one so that's little bit different journey got started around that one first 6 months after doing that admin certification i haven't done any certification i just went to understand how the business operates and using the salesforce platform that was the only one thing actually i was doing for last next 6 months just to take observation how the business is using that system understanding the business affinity of the whole salesforce platform no technical stuff just going into that business part of the scenario because you so, came in as an architect is it fair to say like have you ever had done the hands on like flows process builder apex like have you ever had to do that or and if you haven't coming in as an architect was that but beneficial in in being able to hit the ground running or or were there challenges in not knowing the the way that you know someone would build a flow or 
the way that someone would write a piece of Apex code for Salesforce from day one in your role? It's a very interesting question. First of all, frankly speaking, till that particular position I joined, okay, I didn't write a single line of Apex code. I didn't do any single configuration, even a process builder or something like that one. I haven't done that one. Do it today? That. Uh, I do now, but it is for the POC and all that, because of course it has to go with a normal source-driven developments and everything on all that. And I don't manage yeah. that kind of stuff right now. It doesn't mean that I can't do that one, but there are a lot of other people actually in the team who takes care of that one. The my, I will come back actually what exactly I do actually in the architect role in you know, two minutes. But frankly speaking, that didn't stop me in terms of actually undertaking that architect role because there are two aspects of my role. First is that whatever the Salesforce implementation that you are doing, how it fits into the entire landscape of the IT, IT okay, and how that fits along with the other different technology like Azure, AWS, your ERP systems, your supply management system. So that's the one aspect of the looking at the architecture. And the second one, Within a cell post, what are the different components required for you to accomplish that particular business requirement as such around that one? So I was looking the these two sides around that one, and I was also getting help from the designers, okay, to go into that one. But later on, I know that of course I need to go one level down. So then after one year, okay, I started also picking up my certification as much as possible to get hold more and more on a cell post platform so that I'm not relying on other people around that one. But it's also around the help from other people, but also your own initiative to go deep into the each and every certification to gain a knowledge around that particular area to get rid of that particular dependency. Then I came to know where to use the Apex, where to use the flow, where to use the process builders. Then later on, I was able to guide the team. Okay, now from the larger picture point of view, this is the left. Might be another, might not be a right stuff to do around that one. So giving the direction, it comes with the knowledge. So gaining the self-host knowledge is through certification. It really helps me around that part. So if you ask me, okay, uh, not having a knowledge, okay, of course it's having a disadvantage to start with, but it's a good thing that uh, you are not looking for all the solution in a self-host ecosystem. Normally people self-host ecosystem, people do that one. Every solution, yeah, do it with the Apex or do it with the something else, but also leave it to the some other system. Might be might be that system might be the best of breed system to do that particular task. Okay, and that's where my role comes in to decide is this the right thing to do it in a Salesforce or not. And if we do that one, how much far we can go to maintain that solution, right? So it helps actually having a broader experience with all other system and later on going in the specific of the Salesforce, what exactly need to be done that one. So I would say it's a pros and cons on both sides of the world. I think it's about everyone, how they manage that. Yeah, definitely. So I guess uh, you can't you can't really be a Salesforce architect unless you do gain that knowledge and, and that depth of experience. But it goes to show that it can be done in that if you've got the, the willingness and desire to learn, having the broader IT architecture experience actually positions you quite nicely to be a Salesforce architect. And, and you mentioned something there. You said, I had my designers that supported me. And that that leads me on to my next question, which I think is actually an interesting topic in that a lot of people that have come through a different path to you, so have come from like a Salesforce development background, let's say, and then they progress to senior developer, and then they're looking to make that transition into architect. A lot of the time they say that they are an architect because they're doing some solution design. And you mentioned designers, so I'm guessing at some time you have support from people that are doing some of that design. So what's the difference between someone that does design as 
part of their job and an architect that that obviously has a broader responsibility but what what is different about those two roles yeah so if you see an architect okay i can't use the single word architect you need to do prefix of that particular word some of them are a enterprise architect some of them are the technical architect some of them are a solution architect and each one having its own things to do so what i do is that normally the enterprise self host architect how this self host implementation will fits into the entire landscape of the it and can coexist with azure aws and something else around that one if you see the solution architect making sure that okay every system okay how that collaboration communication happens including self host and other systems around that one making up solution which is not only the self host solution but the end to end solutions around that one if you see a designer okay they are actually looking for a specific solution within the self host ecosystem it could be interaction between a two system that might be 10 or 20 integrations required might be enterprise architect come come up with a solution that we need to have a 10 integrations and these are the way by which you are going to integrate either with a platform events or something else on that one and the designer might be deciding what fields need to be communicated between the two systems as such or what are the different custom fields that we need to introduce into the systems around that one and having a confirmation with the business around that one or might be drawing a business process diagram that's actually spanning across different system or might be specific to the self post the way i said the self post designer post they need to move into the architect role so i would strongly advise those people actually to have a be in contact with the architect regular call with them try to understand the thinking process to get into that particular architect role because the designer of course they are the future architects so we also need to make sure that they will get a right mentorships around that one and move the transition to the thinking process getting the helicopter view of the landscape let me put it actually that way that's a nice topology to say about the architects around that one but of course the architect can make a gradual movement in the, the architects by taking help of them so as a as an enterprise salesforce architect is your role to align the architecture across the board to a business outcome and business goal whereas a, a designer is looking to solve a problem on the salesforce platform or design a solution purely for salesforce that aligns to the salesforce part of that business goal is that fair to say you are absolutely spot on on that one so designer solving a specific problem but that particular specific problem or challenge i would say that fits into the entire business capability that the architects are driving and provide a optimum value to the business so you are absolutely right so your role is more than just technology but it's a business discussion it's it's uh, and i know we've we've spoken previously about like opex and capex and and like they, these are the the kind of things that you need to think of as an architect right and i think yeah. it's really important that we address that because a lot of people don't you know that they they're saying they're an architect now but they they're not having these business discussions and this high level discussion they're solely solving a salesforce problem obviously you mentioned being around other architects but that how do you assess where you're at in terms of that journey and and know like how far you've got to go until you're at that level i guess i think that's what i'm stating actually just try to be in touch with the architects within your organization just to get that thinking process but it is not the only one way to get that information but also have a proper mentorship outside or inside the organization possibly around that one 
read a lot of stuffs that's normally get published on the internet especially on architecture stuffs understand the concept that you just mentioned the capex and opex when you have a opex you have a lot of licensing impact is that licensing fee your organization is willing to pay for every year around that one don't know that's something need to be figured out around that one the capex what is the initial project cost is it the cost that is going to span across multiple years or it's cost that you are actually going to spend in a particular year around that one another few words important one uh, return of investment very important one what is the a uh, business if they are willing to spend few millions okay in uh, how many years we are going to do the catch up with that particular investment around that one break even and when we are actually going into the profitable states around that one so normally what happen when the people finish the project okay they open up the champagne but real value of that particular project it's after one year go live assess that project and check is it really providing a value or not and that's the right moment to open up your champagne okay that's what i feel around that one so for all those people just learn those concept the capex opex return of investment important thing talk to the business heavily ask the question why many times why we are going to do that one if you go in a supermarket just check on the things actually different things happening in a supermarket might be something is connected to the it behind the scene so it is a thinking process wherever you go actually how the things work behind the scene what is the business rationale around that one lot of startup opening up actually what is the business rationale around that opening up those startups if you have that business mindset then it become easy and another interesting thing when we are doing a job i am doing a job i am taking a salary from my company they are giving me salary but what they are doing essentially they are actually giving me their own portfolio of money take this money and invest something and my job why i'm taking a salary to make sure those investment get fruitful for the company and business and company is making a money out of that one okay it's a little bit a weird concept okay <laughs> but that's where i see it actually i'm holding just part of our company this is the money and i'm just using it on an it system maximize the it investment to give a benefit back to the company so i am actually using my brain as a businessman but the only thing is that money is not mine it's the company money that's the yeah. difference yeah i mean i think that that concept of return on investment is is like that's why businesses spend money right they're not spending money just because they're making money and they need to spend it they're spending money to to gain a a return on that investment in the future and i also that's a, a line i i often tell people when they're looking for crazy salaries right because actually the company is expecting a return on the investment that they put in and if your salary is exceptionally high then the return on that investment is also needing to be exceptionally high for that to make business sense and i had a conversation this week also um, back on the the topic of uh, the business goal the, the the person i was speaking to was saying that it's so easy you start these projects and and you know there there's a vision and there's a goal but it's so easy to forget what that vision and goal is along the 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 ride and you start focusing on a component of a project and you know is that actually what the user wants and is that does that tie into the 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 big overall goal of why this project was started in the beginning and i guess that's your role as an architect to make sure that is continuing to align and that vision is is kind of maintained throughout right yes indeed that's the main role of architect okay and i think the architect is the first person who is actually bridging the business and it two different teams around that one the business vision translating into the it architecture that is a scalable one you also talk very important point about high salary but uh, that's where actually the architect also need to provide a value for an example there should not be duplication of the capability for an example the survey 
if you, your organization already having a survey capability, you should not induct a new tooling and all that. You should try to leverage that one. So by guiding the whole IT team that, okay, we can leverage this tool. We are already saving the investment that somebody might might be doing in a, investing a new survey tool around that one. That's a cost saving, okay, that comes in the picture. So it's not about the capability, but not about duplicating the capabilities within the organization. That's very important. Yeah, I guess it's not just about doing fun projects the whole time. It's about making sure that you're not necessarily or unnecessarily spending money on things that are already within the realms of possibility from the solutions that you have. Yeah. And also with respect to the cell post, providing a lot of different API connectivity, integration capability, sometimes it makes quite easy uh, around that one. Of course, this rule is not applicable for every organization. Some organizations are bigger. They have a bigger footprints of the different applications. Some organizations are smaller, might be Apex change, might be a quick change for them within their systems. So that's fine. So it, you need to find out a balance. Okay, what is good for organization? Sure. This episode of Talent Hub Talk is sponsored by our friends from Flow Republic. Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. So why uh, why CTA? Why did that become important to you? First of all, I was not knowing the CTA till I joined the first Trailhead DX in 2018 in March or April. I went there to attend the bootcamp for the architects. And at that point, the system and application, it was a one combined bootcamp. And I still remember Chuck was the trainer and he started okay, asking question, how many certification people are having? I started with the one, I raised my hand. Then I too, of course, I was having only one. So I sat back. Then later on, number started with the two, three, four, till it went to 22. And there are a couple of people with a 22 certification. I said, okay, this is something crazy happening over here. I'm not belonging to this people around that one. And at first time I came to know during that bootcamp, something like a CTA does exist. Okay. The good thing is that because having a 15 years of enterprise, different applications I haven't seen in the past, that helped me actually thinking into the process that, okay, I can do this one. Because it's not about the self-post knowledge, it's all also about all the enterprises, stuffs and all that I already knew, which I can apply. I came back, back to Netherlands, okay, after six months or eight months, okay, I was just thinking about how I'm going to approach if I want to do the city around that one. And there are a lot of people in the ecosystem, you know, the 10-year experience, 12-year experience, they're still struggling to get in the CTA. And I'm just a one and a half year experience on a cell phone stops, how it's going to be possible. But then I decided the good part happened to me is that when I decided to start my certification study, the goal was very clear. I want to become a CTA, not the community certification, not the uh, system application. No, I want to do CTA. So whenever I was starting my certification study, I targeted one month, one certification. And I started in December 2018 around that one, the community, I still remember actually that certification. But one thing I was doing, I was doing the certification for my knowledge gaining and I was writing down the notes which I want to read during my CTA preparation. 
So I was not preparing just because I want to put it on a LinkedIn post. I would have done the community. No, I was doing something else. I was preparing for the long-term goal around that one. So in a 2019, I did almost 13 certification, including system and application architect. So it was on target to one month, one certification done. And then I was preparing for the CTL later on. I was already having a lot of notes gathered together. But the one thing is that in a cell post is so fast moving platform, a lot of religious new stuff comes in. So you need to keep in touch with that one. So in 2019, I joined Flow Republic. And that's where I, uh, uh, guidance of a Sebastian to start the journey of going into the more into the CTA stuff around that one. And I think I took the exam. I was actually waiting for the exam to be done last year itself. I didn't get a slot. So that's why it got postponed. So in April, I gave an exam this year. So you you had the, obviously, Flow Republic, but then the side work that you did outside of the, the core Flow Republic course with like Johan and Jakob and, and Pibu and, and having that network and the collaboration, like how much value did you put on that? A lot and a massive, I would say. The Flow Republic is the way by which I got introduced to Johan, Jakob and Vibu, my study partners. But uh, believe me, each one of us providing a value to the floor in terms of a CTA preparation is tremendous because each one having a different angle to look at the same challenges. And getting into that one, it was every seven o'clock, okay, we used to start seven to eight, almost we did it uh, almost seven or eight months around that one. Seven o'clock without even, nobody's actually waiting in the uh, Zoom meeting and all that. Seven o'clock sharp, everybody was there in the call and we used to discuss almost each and every scenario, how the rationale is and all that, how we are going to defend this particular solution, what are the justifications and getting the other's view for the same problem, it really helps because otherwise you will be in a cocoon, right? Okay, this is your solution. I'm a bit very comfortable of that one, but how you go and step in other shoes and thinking, it's very interesting stuff to do. And I learned from all those three guys around that one. So it was very, I think it's a, one of the best stuff. People say, okay, passing a CTA is the best, but I would say the CTA journey is the best. And doing this kind of stuff was quite interesting. I learned a lot and everyone should follow that suit and take the help of all other different peers. Make sure that your speed of learning is matching with other people. Otherwise, you will have a little bit of frictions around that one. So, and making sure that commitment of joining the meetings every day or whatever action on a weekly basis, just make sure that those commitments are good enough for you to progress. But it keeps you accountable as well, right? Because I mean, I can imagine the uh, have, knowing the other three uh, guys that you were going through it with, like they were very dedicated and you were very dedicated. So no one's standards would ever drop because you're kind of, you're accountable to each other to continue and progress. So uh, I guess it's about finding people with the same level of drive and motivation as you, because if someone else doesn't have it, then it's not going to work. Yeah, you are right. And one more thing, I was the last one in that pack to go for a CTA review board, but these guys were actually taking my review board still at the start of this particular year to help me because they know I'm the only one and they don't want me to let be behind actually. So they were actually taking a hard, actually taking their own time, even after they finished their CTA to help me in getting into the preparation of the CTA review board. I still remember in the last one month, I took a, before CTA review board, I took a holiday. I asked my boss, okay, I need off. And last year I didn't take any off. So I was having a lot of holidays to be taken. And in that almost one month, I took almost 15 different mocks. So almost in a once in a two days, I was doing a mock 
wow. uh, it's a little bit crazy nobody should not do that one i would strongly advise okay because sitting at a one place for 6 or 7 hours uh, is not a easy to do do that, uh, that kind of stuff Uh, don't do that one that would be my advice but i was so keen by my other three peers already passed city i just don't want to left behind so that's the stuff okay it was an interesting journey for me yeah for sure and you as it stands today you've only ever worked in one salesforce environment right did that detract from your chances and i know obviously you you passed so you it, like if it did then it's still incredible that you you went ahead and passed but would it have been easier for you if you had experienced multiple di- different salesforce environments it would have been but in cta almost i did almost 30 plus scenario and one thing i notice every scenario or every company having their own identity they having their own integration platform erp systems and then i realize what i am actually taking ownership right now from architecture point of view the same setup more or less most of the organization is having for example starting the journey with the interaction studio for an example okay or for an example marketing cloud and end coming to the service cloud especially in the b2c area and if you see from a b2b area it's starting from the leads okay from a different angles or from a different channels omni channels and going back into the opportunity codes and later on moving into the erp systems around that one and if you see the most of the scenario almost having the same kind of stuff around that one and most of the organization also work on the same different stuff the only thing is that their erp systems might be a little bit different compared to this one the reason is that because they have different capability that is required that is specific to that particular business around that one so if you ask me it would have been a very helpful if i would have that experience but nevertheless i was having a not one actually the two implementation because we have a two implementation one for b2b and one for b2c so it actually helped me to getting to know both side of the world so i was not only stuck with the b2b side of the world or not stuck with the b2c but both end to end that really helped me but surely it would have been helpful if i would have worked on a multiple implementation of the salesforce because i guess you're in your current role your current organization you're limited to the products that they use from a salesforce perspective so um i would the only real benefit have been that you might have been exposed to more products not really the cta exam is not about exposing to the multiple products it's all about the justification of using a right product so in my current role normally people comes in the solution design of the approach but also i'm taking care of the one of the guy who is making a decision making about selecting a products so in my 3 or 4 year experience of salesforce i am also very instrumental in a selection of multiple app exchange products within the company as well as the selection of the salesforce product itself around that one and then i also look at the other products okay then i come to know the comparisons based upon a capability that we like to have it over there so normally consultancy company comes in a picture when the product gets selected i'm one step before that one why the one of the product get selected it could be salesforce or it could be something else around that one at an enterprise level so that helped me to understand the business capability around that one so that's really opening up the helicopter view of the enterprise where we need to induct that particular product or not and that really helped me and having experience of both b2b and b2c really helped because most of the cta scenarios are combination of both of them so that really help not sticking to the b2b or not sticking up into the b2c that's really the important one for me to get into that and i know one of the angles that you feel really helped with your success with becoming a cta was your productivity and time management 
So how, how do you approach productivity and, and time management in such a big daunting task of becoming a CTA? First of all, no Netflix, no Amazon Prime. Okay, that's the first <laughs> law okay, that I follow. So literally, I haven't watched a single movie on a Netflix or Amazon Prime for almost one and a half year. Uh, no way. Uh, I said, okay, I'm not going to spend time on those. It's not like all movies are <laughs> bad, but I don't want to spend time on that. That's the first thing. The second thing, normally on a YouTube, you get a lot of recommendations and all that. So on a Chrome browser, I have a nice plugin to stop me getting a recommendation. But I use YouTube for watching a specific self-post-related video, like Apexar or something else. Okay, I used to watch that one. That is required, but no more recommendation. Thank you, Google. Okay, so I said no for that one. Also for a browsing on the internet, I used to have a kind of extension in a Chrome that I'm not going to see few of the sites more than 10 minutes per day. So complete stop around that one because I just want to spend more time on a self-related CTA study around that one. And another thing is that I used to have a calendar of almost eight months in advance what I'm going to do in each month, which certification I want to follow and which for this particular certification I have to spend 30% of time in planning and 70% is the execution around that. And while execution in a planning, I used to decide, give me target of 120% target. I know this is not going to be finished, 120%. But even if I degrade with a 20%, I'm achieving 100%. <laughs> so it's a little bit a different way of thinking, but that's, that's the way I did it. For example, uh, for CTA exam, one month before the 15 mocks I did, I planned those three months in advance with the different set of group of people so I'd like to have it because I want to have a similar setup where three CTAs or three people asking me questions around that one. So I did that whole calendar booking three months in advance when I got to know the date in January around that one. So the planning is very important for me, what I'm going to do. So even today, I know what is my plan for a next week. Even in the office work, I do not plan any ad hoc meeting. That is a meeting for tomorrow. No, I'm meeting, I plan a meeting for two weeks after or three weeks after and thinking ahead what I'm going to do in the coming two, three weeks around that one. So a little bit more productivity stuff and also watch a lot of YouTube video on productivity from a different YouTubers, which talks about which app you should use, like a Quizlets I was using for a CTA preparation and still last moment, only the hitting to the right points, okay? What you need to speak about precise, concise, and seconds around the whole terminology of the words and all those kind of stuff. And staying in the Netherlands, okay, we even don't visit to our friends without any appointment, right? So we work in a very structural way of, <laughs> I would say, the planning. And that's very interesting stuff in Netherlands, which I learned, which are just planning actually in a day-to-day -day work as, as well, actually, to it makes life quite easier. I must say that around that one. So I think that also is same like Olympic folks, right? Okay, preparing. If you see in the next Olympic, because of this last Olympic got delayed, they just have a three years to compete for the com competition. So it means they're already started training for that one. So I'm not Olympic. I am not going to be Olympian, but just taking the little bit of inspiration from those people, how these guys are going to prepare. So if you just put that one in your calendar, I think it works. That's the way I work, actually. I'm not giving a rocket science example, but it's about putting yourself into the boundary of the things, what you want to do and structurally need to be done. I could really learn from that because I'm yeah terrible at booking meetings like for like, let, let's catch up on a call now or let's catch up on a 
tomorrow. Uh, you would hate to work with me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so you, you've done your um, TOGAF certification as well. Um, is that something you recommend for Salesforce professionals? And, and how does that kind of align and fit into what happens in the world of Salesforce? If you are targeting your architecture stuff at the enterprise level in future, then I would strongly recommend to do a TOGAP or a Jackman. Uh, it is not necessarily due to that TOGAP because a lot of other different enterprise level methodological such kind of frameworks are available, but the TOGAP is one of the famous from the open group around that one. So the TOGAP gives a little bit of structure. Okay, now the planning we talked about, now this is about the structuring, right? So in a TOGAF, we also have the different kind of a set of architecture, like a business architecture, technology architecture, application architecture, and data architecture. So in a business architecture, you can think about which business lines you are providing uh, this particular capability around that one. And if you just translate into the Salesforce side of the world, okay, because of this, do we have a data sharing between this particular business units or not? Then you are might be also thinking about your org strategy possibly around that one. You need a single org or multiple org. Is it geographical stuff that comes in or not? If you go with the data architecture, you need to think about also the GDPR regulations, your data archiving strategy possibly around that one, how your data model will look like around that one. If you map it to the Salesforce, you know it. Sales and service data models are there. Archiving strategy might be required app exchange or might be you can use the on-premise steps around that one. So it provides a little bit of framework for your thinking. So basically when I do architecture for any project, I have kind of a bucket list. Of course, some things are very specific to the project, but there's some bucket list of the things to be checked, especially when I'm actually handling the system, which is applicable for the Ireland towards the United Arab Emirates. That's the, my whole periphery of the uh, system that I normally architect. So I don't also need to think about the languages, GDPRs, any compliance stops, security stops. So those are the things that you get it actually, which you need to think about the different aspect for a particular project when you're working at the enterprise level around that one. If you talk about the application architecture, which are the different applications that you are going to use, which are the best of breed, Salesforce is the best of breed in a sales service, but what are the other applications you are going to think about that one? And when you're about thinking about a technology architecture, you're thinking about infrastructure, the integration that is required. One of the important things that technical guys do not think or do not take seriously, okay, I would say, is the business change. You deliver a project, but is that business is able to digest that particular delivery? I mean, how we are going to do the onboarding process for the new customers? How we are going to train the internal people around that one? Are we doing a rollout by country by countries? So even the business change is a very important aspect also that uh, TOGAP framework teaches you to take care of that one. Do you require additional people to be hired to do the, for example, administration of the new system that you are going to put it over there? So it is also impact also on the HR, right? Okay, the new people need to hire, the, you need to put a set up aside a salary for them. So that's where the new position get open up in a typical in a company, just to give a little bit of a glimpse of that one. So those thinking that originate from that whole framework. Uh, so that's really helpful to think about more than one small specific business challenge but look at holistically everything end to end together which i guess um, aligns nicely to the fact that you say the real business the value from a project isn't on go live date it's a year in a year's time and i guess you think of it like that because you think in that togaf framework of the bigger picture the business value the the business costs and then ultimately is the business getting the return on the investment they expected 
yeah in a boardroom meetings when the particular project get finished after that also after every four months there is always check about what is the status of that particular project not in terms of the project finish but is in terms of the project benefit how much money that we actually spent that is on the opex for example and how much money that we are actually gaining the new leads open up or a new business get open up new partner get onboarded on the platform okay or new orders or a new revenue get generated around that one everything get discussed so you need to make sure that uh, we are providing a right tooling to the business to make them more successful nice uh, and finally i i know um you're in the process of releasing a blog so where will people be able to find that and and what value are you hoping to to share and knowledge i guess to share with uh, with other people in the ecosystem the one thing i like about the selfos is about sharing and caring so when i was doing my cta study a lot of people helped me and i think it's time for me to give them back and i really like that ohana culture and trailblazer culture of selfos so i'm creating a blog right now and the main aim of this particular blog is for people who are thinking more at enterprise level what kind of a different strategy you need to think about for example one of the topic that you just touch is regarding the to gap so in a to gap there are different phases adm cycle so what are the things that you need to consider for a selfos implementation if you are thinking about buying apex change product what are the things that you need to consider while buying apex change product as such if you are thinking about a large data volume what are the different options that we have it and what are the pros and cons so i already created around 12 blocks so far right now but it is not specific into the solving the business challenge but it is providing a little bit more about helicopter view when you are thinking about the enterprise level uh, what are the things that you need to consider and that also helpful for the people who are preparing for a cta because most of the steps actually also i got inspiration from the scenario review boards how you justify the right solution for a right business problem and that's where actually i try to put a little bit more steps around that one one of the my favorite one is actually the org strategy how you devise your org strategy okay because normally people join the project when the org strategy is already been defined but there is one phase before that one that you really decide your org strategy based upon how your business is there right now uh, in a different business units data volumes geographical stuffs and all that so i tried to pin down all my learnings my notes from the cta review boards i am heavily using that one the compress one just try to create a blog out of that one to help other people so i hope people will like it uh, let's see i'm sure they will i've i've been privy to a sneak peek and obviously there's there's a huge amount of information on there already and i'm sure it's going to continue to grow so it is great that people like yourself that that find yourself in the position that you do now to give back and i guess that's that's everything that the the ecosystem is built on so it's fantastic to see yeah and i think the one of the stuff that people always need to think about is uh, how we are delivering delivering this one so even for a designers my just message to you even before writing a single line of word in a word document or in the apex code or in a flow or anything just ask yourself or ask your architect or ask your senior management why we are doing this particular project because once you know why you are doing this particular project automatically you will generate interest into that particular project and you will treat it treat it like your your own baby right okay and that's where actually the value to the business comes in a picture when you write a you want a single first line in lwc import or something like that one you will come to know why i'm writing this code
Yeah, nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think and I hope that we're going to have you back on the podcast at some point soon to talk uh, with some of the other guys that you went through the training with. So I'm excited for that. But really, really interested to hear more about you. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for listeners to, to read the blog. Thanks a lot, Ben. Okay. And it is really interesting conversation actually to open up and I hope it inspired a few other promising CTA in future. And thanks a lot for having me over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.